I feel like I'm ready. It's Sunday morning, I feel positive, and I want to ride the wave of that positivity by sharing one of the hardest things I've experienced in my writing career thus far. And that is the first time a producer and filmmaker decided to produce and film one of my scripts. This is considered the holy grail, what script writers and screenplay writers are shooting for. But my first experience did not go really well. So I'm not going to share who the producer and filmmaker was. I'm just going to share my experience. So let's go all the way back to when I first started looking for the right person to work with. So in 2009, I signed up for a meditation class. And we had one-on-one mentorship sessions. And that carried into 2010. And one day she said, I was meditating and I saw a bunch of people watching a movie you had written. And it was scary because I saw them screaming and jumping and holding on to each other. And I was like, huh, because I had never told her that I write screenplays. I just said I was a writer and she didn't know what I liked to write. She didn't know I liked horror (laughs) and thrillers. And then she said, but it's really small what you're writing. And this kind of makes me chuckle when I think back on it because she had her index finger and thumb together showing how small it was. And I realized she didn't know the difference between a novel and a screenplay. So when I said, I'm a writer, she, I believe, envisioned like a novelist and their 300 page book. (laughs) And so when she kept showing me how small the screenplay was, I was like, well, how small the paper count was. I realized, yeah, this is probably not coming from her. (laughs) This is probably coming from the divine. Because uh, she didn't know the difference at all. She was a little bit confused as she was sharing what she got during meditation. So I was like, okay. She didn't know I write movies, but that's what the vision was. She didn't know I write horror and thriller, but that's what the vision was. She didn't know I write screenplays, but she got the vision of how small it was in comparison to a novel. So this really just gave me a boost to my confidence. I was like, I need to do something with it. It was something I was somewhat doing, but not really putting my all into. So I started searching for someone to adapt my script into a screenplay format, like the proper screenplay format because I had written it in playwright form because I always originally envisioned it as a radio playwright. And I'm still going to do that. In 2022, I am going to have it as an audio drama on YouTube and this podcast. 
I just have to find the right people to work with because I've been burned as I'm about to get into. Um, and so it just, it makes me very, very cautious now about who I work with. So anyway, back to the story. I went on Craigslist under services just to find someone who could adapt the screenplay. And then I was going to move forward and looking to find a producer or filmmaker and director. So I found this guy who offered, um, adaptions and script doctoring. So I was like, okay, can you adapt my playwright into a screenplay and like polish it enough for it to be the industry standard? He agreed. And I paid him, he started working through it. And the first couple of pages I got back, I really liked. But the more I read through it, the more I was just like, what? He wasn't adapting it, he was changing it. He was making it his voice and not my voice. Because it actually is not that hard <laughs> to adapt the playwright into a screenplay now that I know how to do a proper screenplay format. And so I was confused as to why it was so different. And then he shared, I teach screenplay writing at Vancouver Film School or rather he used to, and that he was currently teaching it at a Victoria uh, film school, and that he was also an indie filmmaker. And he said, I would like to produce the script. So I knew I had something there, because this person I've never met who is smart enough to teach at these prestigious schools. And he did, I actually did do some research. He actually did um, teach there. So this person who's already in the industry wants to produce my script. I was like, oh, it was such an unbelievable moment. You know, it was so fast. It was so, easy. And as we know, sometimes <laughs> the easiest road is easy because it's the wrong road. And I'm not saying that this experience was wrong. I just have realized, um, to ask more questions. <laughs> That's what I've learned. So I gave him some pushback on the changes that he made. And he shared that he was also a Gnostic priest. And so that's why some of the dialogue was very, it was actually very heavy, some of the dialogue. And it felt like he was trying to share how smart he was. And it was like deep philosophical discussions. And I just was like, what is this? It, I didn't like it at all. But it was such a new experience that I just was in agreement to go along with the ride. So he did all the work of finding somebody to act. Well, not somebody, somebodies to act in it and where to film it. So he decided on Salt Spring Island. So I had to travel from Vancouver to Salt Spring Island. It was not paid because it's indie film. And I was fine with that because I was more open to like getting the experience of having the table read, having to be part of it. It was just really exciting to me. 
to be honest. But I didn't really share it with people because even at that time, I could feel something was out of alignment. So I didn't tell a bunch of my friends. I didn't tell, I didn't make a public post about it on Facebook. And again, this was back in 2010. (laughs) So Facebook was still like the go-to place. And this was one of the biggest mistakes I made. Not working with this person, but taking my roommate with me. So I lived in a house with a uh, Puerto Rican, nope, 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 Costa Rican woman and her family. She was a lovely woman, Um, but she was renting out rooms and there was this uh, Chinese guy who was in the film industry in China, but was trying to immigrate to Canada to be with his boyfriend. I was trying to help him with his English because he said, which was very sweet. He said, I was the only person that he didn't get nervous talking to. And actually I was the only person he could easily understand when I was talking. Um, I don't think he realized that it was because (laughs) he was living in a Costa Rican home and they all had accents and that's why it was hard for him. But anyway, um, it was sweet that he said this, but he was neurotic, socially inept. And if I could change one thing, because I would still do it. If I could go back, I would still do it but I wouldn't take him with me. He actually invited himself. I was just talking about it and he's like, I'd like to go. When can I go? So I should have just said no, (laughs) but he was just so eager. I could see it in his eyes. He was so hopeful because he actually did love the industry. It was what he really wanted to be doing with his life, but his credits didn't transfer over to Canada. So he could only get like a janitor position so far. Um, So I said, yes, he came with me. We went to Salt Spring Island. Um, One of my friends had referred me to a place to rent. So I rented it. It was actually a really nice place. It was a sauna. Ah, it was so lovely there. So when we go to actually film, I'm noticing that there are zero black people, except for me. And That reminded me of a conversation I had with him before. He said that he did not, he never knew any black people when he was growing up. He was just in Whiteville in Victoria, BC. And I was like, well, that's fair enough. You know, you don't have control over where you're born, but I was just like, how come you haven't done a lot of work to actually engage and meet new and different people? And another conversation we had had before, um, the, the day of the filming, was he said something that offended me, not about black people, um, about Hispanic people. So one of my characters, my whole cast is diverse, not because I'm trying to be inclusive. That's just a reflection of my actual life. I know Japanese people, Korean people, Mexican Americans, uh, Hispanic people, Puerto Rican people, Uh, I know Russian people. (laughs) I I know a a wide variety of different ethnicities, races, and experiences. So, of course, it's reflected in my script. But this person, the filmmaker, said, but his name is Cliff. He, he, why would he be 
Hispanic and his name be Cliff. And I was just like, what? What a stupid fucking question. Um, because it, it showed me that he doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know any Hispanics. So the Hispanics I was friends with, um, some were Mexican Americans actually, but uh, there were Americanized names because they were generational. They had been in America for so long, which is common or they'll have an Americanized name and a traditional um, name. So one of my close friends was named Alex, Alexander, and he was Hispanic. And then there was another Mexican uh, American whose name was um, Mario. <laughs> okay. So I was just like, and there were so many other names too that were considered Americanized. So I just was really annoyed that he didn't realize that his name should not be Juan in order to make him Hispanic. He can be Hispanic and have the name Cliff. So that just kind of festered <laughs> in me because I was just like, huh? I don't want to work with someone who's stupid. You know, I don't want to work with someone who's ignorant of, of diversity. So anyway, when we're there on Salt Spring Island, my memory's a little bit faulty. It was either 2010 or 2011. When I walked in, I saw that everyone was white and I just was like, hmm. He only knew one black person who was gonna play Kendra, but she couldn't come. And one of my favorite characters who is the heart of the story, and her name is Miss Mallory in the script, she is a Della Reese type. He had this short, skinny white woman was not really old playing Miss Mallory with a horrible Southern accent. And I just was like, what the fuck? The only um, people I was happy that he picked was, sorry, my mind just went back to another moment. <laughs> and that's why I, ex I exclamated on that by accident. Um, it's a part where they were calling me uh, batch, 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 batch. And it just was so annoying um, <laughs> that there was a spike in my energy as I was remembering that. Uh, but what was I talking about? Miss Mallory before that. Now I lost my train of thought. Right. The only ones that I felt were close to who I, who I had envisioned them to be were Peyton and Cliff. So the person that he did pick for Cliff was not Hispanic. However, he had the proper build. He was tall and muscular. He had black hair, brown eyes. And actually, Cliff is half Hispanic and half white in the story. Um, but he, he wasn't exactly what I was really shooting for. So if we do ever get this film made, it has to be a Hispanic person. So anyway, um, I was okay with Cliff and the person that he picked to play Peyton, who was the main protagonist and like the crazy person who is riling up the patient. So essentially Peyton is a serial killer who's in a psychiatric ward to really find out if he actually killed people or if he's just insane. The actor was really good at emoting and embodying the energy of Peyton. I had chills this one moment when he said the lines and it like just rushed over me and I was like, <gasps> I felt like I was pulled into the world I was created. That was the most powerful and magical part of the whole journey. Having in real life other 
real life people saying my lines and feeling like I was really immersed in that world for a brief moment. That was so exciting. But the people were crazy. Um, there was a one woman who I'm pretty sure had said the N word. Um, and then just was like, <gasps> and then scattered away. And I was just like, why are you here if you're going to say something so stupid? Um, there were a lot of, there was a lot of mania. Like there wasn't a lot of clarity in the script. Also, there's a part when he was filming me and I was just talking to him. And he's like, you're supposed to be sleeping. <laughs> I was like, your mouth is, he's like, your mouth is moving. Stop, stop talking. And I was nervous. And I took that moment to, to say to myself, this is how I put it in context to myself at the time. Oh, I just don't want to be an actor. I don't like being filmed. But really, I just was uncomfortable with the whole thing. Being outside of the situation, having some years between me and that experience really helped me to reflect and digest it better. I was agitated by the um, actors. I was agitated by the whitewashing of the characters. I was agitated by this roommate that I shouldn't have brought with me. I was agitated by the story being changed so much. I was agitated by being cold there. I was freezing. I am anemic and I have um, a bit of Raynoid's disease, which means uh, my blood circulation is horrible. And so I just could not get warm. Um, and then we didn't film all of it and we, we went home. And I never spoke to that roommate again because... There was this moment I was in the bathroom. He kept harassing me the entire time. He just was harassing me. He was re-asking me the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again um, because of his anxiety disorder. So I'm happy that he's not in my life anymore. Uh, like I said, I would, if I could go back, I would remove him. So this is what happened after that. Um, he was trying to schedule another time for people to come and film the rest. It just never happened and now it's 2021 and I'm actually happy it never happened because he was going to release it to some film festivals. I don't want my name on that. Um, the story was too him and so it was only in 2019. Well, actually I tried to fix the script on and off but there was always an error. My laptop would blow up and I would lose everything. Um, there would be some glitch and I would lose all the updates. I'm not even lying. This happened like three or four times where I was updating the script and then I completely lost the updated draft. And so I remember just like throwing my hands in the air and I was like, fine universe, you obviously don't want me to finish this script, so I'm just gonna let it go. And so I stopped focusing on it. I stopped updating it. But then in 2018, it kept coming back, this hunger to finish the script. So I had to find a draft because I had lost all of the updated drafts. So the only draft I could find was the one I emailed this person back in the day who produced it. So I chose that one and I started adapting it in 2019. And then I just sent it off to big break in 2019, not thinking anything of it. I just wanted to do something with the script. I was so annoyed that all of my updates for the last decade were gone and I had to go back to square one, the draft in 2009. 
and it placed as a semi-finalist. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe I have something there. So I've submitted it to other places and I've gotten feedback. And this draft is the first draft I feel confident in having a manager or someone in the industry read. I have not caved in to other people's um, limiting beliefs about the script. So one of the annoying things I've heard from people is like, oh, no, it's not a perfect person who's part of the LGBTQ community. And equality within the industry, like that's what we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to minorities being inclusive into the industry and um, gender diversity, gender diversity being included. And the only way to have a true level that honors the diversity within those communities is by having our villains who are gay, who are non-binary, who are trans, who are black, who are Asian, who are Hispanic, who are Mexican. That is the goal, not some weird propaganda to present people as perfect. I like interesting, complex characters that are faulty. And so some of the pushback I've received is, oh no, you're not displaying this person as perfect. And I'm just like, they're not supposed to be. So I'm an advocate for having villains, <laughs> you know, and I've heard this from other people in the community. Um, I was actually listening to some drag uh, queens say, oh, I'd love to play a villain. I forget who it was. And that just like perked me up when I was listening to that. Cause it's like, oh yes, you're robbing the actors from the experience of self-discovery by playing those types of characters as well. There are so many actors and actresses who say that they have grown, they have learned, they have developed a different aspect of themselves by playing a horrible character. So I'm not going to bend or break and change who the characters are in my script. They're complex, they're faulty, they're crazy, but I love them for it. And that is the whole point, uh, like the, the resting point of the script, is to love them despite. And for some, we're not gonna love them despite their faults, but we're going to love them because of them. So I love the script. <laughs> it's one of the most polarizing, but I'm still gonna move forward with it. So what did I learn? I learned that it's a possibility, like it's possible to find someone who identifies with the work and voice that can make it. Um, I learned a little bit more about the, the back, behind the scenes, that's the word, <laughs> um, of like how the day is scheduled for filming. And I learned a little bit about that when I was um, on the competition TV show that I talked about before in Ukraine in the previous episode. So that was my first introduction to behind the scenes in 2010, 2011, and then 2012, I had the other experience, but it was just really interesting to see how he got people together, how he directed them, 
how he paced it or paced the day. Um, all of it, and I can't even like list all of the things right now, but all of it is standing out to me. And the moment I talked about where they were calling me a bitch was just the part where I wrote that into the script. <laughs> he didn't add that. I wrote that um, because it's a part to just show. Um, it's essentially a hidden Easter egg, but it just was annoying to me in that moment because that guy was acting crazy. I was like, I'm never going to hire you. Um, like he was doing the most. I think he oversold it and he needed to reel it in a little bit. But anyway, um, it was all helpful because then I also learned how to act a little bit more, get more comfortable with being seen, uh, which has been a big thing for me. I love hiding in the shadows. And so um, having everyone look at me, I was like, oh, she wrote it. <laughs> that was definitely interesting. Let's see, is there anything else I really want to share about that experience? I'm going to think more on it and I'll probably talk about it when I have my YouTube channel up and running. But that's all I really want to share today. That was one of the easiest moments from going to getting a screenplay adapted to having it be produced. Um, and I'm thankful for that ease. And it's what I'm expecting in a way to have to a degree this time around, such as, you know, being able to find the right person. Because of the internet, I feel like I'll be able, when I start looking, I'll be able to find the right person who identifies with my voice. And who knows, it might take another five years or maybe even longer to get it made, but I'm fine with that. It doesn't need to be done really, really soon. And believe you me, this script is not ready to be released for 2021 or 2022. Um, I think that 2023 will potentially be the time when people are more ready, like as a collective, because it's very heavy and it's meant to trigger people. It's meant to be affronting. It's meant to cause conflict and dissonance in people's minds so that they can discover more about themselves. The character is trying to gaslight the audience into effing up their own real lives. Um, anyway, Karmic Bait will, you'll get a teaser of it at some point in 2022 as an audio drama. And I would just encourage everyone to keep going. You know, I was so young when this happened for me. And I say all that to say that no matter where you are on your journey, you're still enough. You can be really young and find somebody who is the right fit. You can be midlife or older and find the right person. Just don't give up. Because I believe that what you seek is also seeking you. And it's just a matter of time of crossing one another's paths. That's it for now. Bye.